following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What is up, Christian Life Austin? I hope everybody's doing great on this Wednesday evening. I am honored, honored, absolutely honored to be with you guys tonight. Uh, I love I love that church, and I love your pastor and the team and the staff there. Man, I spent a decade, a decade of my life, like formative years of my life, uh, right there on the staff, and so much of who I am as a pastor, who I am as a man, uh, kind of came to fruition and came to be right there in Austin, Texas, at Christian Life Austin, and I'm honored to be with you uh, tonight to share. I'll, I'll start by just telling you that I have a few fears in my life, a few fears. Um, the most, one of the most significant fears, absolutely, is, is my fear of heights. Like, I am mortified by heights. Um, like, I can, I'm not afraid to, like, get in an airplane or something like that, but, like, be up on top of a, of a roof of a house or on the edge of a cliff. Like, I, I, I don't do that. I, I will absolutely freeze. In fact, while I was living in Austin, I was working on the roof of one of my houses there, and I got stuck one day. Like, I got up there all by myself. Alicia was gone working, and uh, I couldn't get down. I sat up there for a long, long time because there's one thing to get up there, but it's when you, get, when you start wanting to climb down, that's when it gets really terrifying. I'm just, I'm, I'm afraid of heights because what, what, what fear does is it, it paralyzes you, and that's what happened to me. I got paralyzed up on, up on that roof that day. Fear absolutely paralyzes you, and that's that's one of the reasons that the enemy absolutely loves to use fear against us. And, and I've actually learned that anytime I'm taking a significant step in my life, in my ministry, anytime God is calling me into something greater, a new season in my life, there's always going to be some fear attached to that. Always going to be a season where I have to wrestle with some anxiety and questions and, and, and the enemy trying to get me to stop or just press pause. Anytime God calls us forward, the enemy wants to pull us back. And so often he uses the tool of fear. So here's what I want you to know from the outset of what I'm going to share with you uh, today, if you are dealing with any anxiety right now, if you're dealing with any fear right now in your life, it's not an indication that you're not going to do anything great, but rather it's a sign that the enemy is threatened by you, absolutely, and he has dispatched this thing into your heart. Now, we've been living in a season that has brought with it for the last five months now, really, crazy uncertainty and, 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 and anxiety, fear uh, of all shapes and sizes, fear about tomorrow, fear about our health, fear about our careers, fear about our jobs. And I just think the enemy is having the time of his life. And we wake up in the morning and, and we just start scrolling, you know, what, what, what I heard called last week doom scrolling where we just are almost addicted to the doom. What 
terrible thing is happening today. How many are dead? Where are the riots at now? It, 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 the enemy's just having the time of his life. And for today, for just a moment, I want to come against fear. And I want to I look at it maybe in a way that you've not thought about it. And I hesitate to even preach today about fear because, man, back in March and April, we was all preaching fear. Everybody just preached fear, fear, fear. We, we, preached, we preached about it so much that we got tired of it. But, man, this, this crazy COVID thing has, has hung around now and hung around and hung around that it's almost like fear's kind of reared its head again on, on the backside or what I hope is the backside of, of this, this pandemic. And so I want to talk to you about, about fear. I want to talk to you about fear. We all have these, these fearful thoughts and anxiety about, about August and, 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 and September and October. Is school going to open? Are my kids going to be safe? Some of you kids that are, that are going back to school, maybe you're afraid that you're not going to get to go back to school. Some of you might be afraid that you are going to have to go back to school. There's some parents who might be afraid to send their kids to school, and then there's some parents that are terrified that they're not going to be able to send their kids off to school. Everybody's dealing with, with different fears in this, as this season continues. I want to start with a familiar passage, Psalm chapter 91. I'm just going to read a few verses from Psalm 91. Very familiar. Verse 1 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's what we're looking for is rest. Verse 5, though, skipping down to verse 5 of Psalm 91 the psalmist says, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night. Don't be afraid of the terror of the night. Like, like, the, most, like the worst thing possible, terror, at the worst time possible in the night. He continues to say, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. And then verse 7 says, though a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 are dying around you. Those evils will not touch you. If you make, verse 9, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter. Now I want to stop and I just want to, I want us to kind of glance back at verse number 5. I pointed it out when I read it, but it just intrigues me. That the psalmist could say, don't be afraid of terrors at night. Don't be afraid of the scariest thing ever at the scariest time ever. Now, you and I both know that that is easier said than done, right? We've all dealt with some terror over the last five months. And, and sometimes in the middle of the night, it's like you, you're hit with more and more waves of terror. So how are we supposed to not be afraid? How do we, how do we reconcile this scripture? And when I was a kid, I was, I was afraid of the dark. I was afraid of the night. Some of you probably uh, uh, can, can, can agree with me. In fact, you may be scared of the dark right now. I don't know. I was afraid of the dark, though. I, I, I was the youngest of five kids. And so what happens to the youngest child in the evening when the family is still up? It's time for the youngest one to go to bed. It's time for you to go to bed. But nobody else is going to bed. But it's time for you to go to bed. But I'm scared to go to bed. I got to go all the way to the back of the house all by myself. Like it's dark back there. 
I didn't like to go to the back of the house by myself. I grew up in this, it was a one-story kind of a ranch-style house, so it was this long house, and everybody would be down in the, in the kitchen, and I would be supposed to go all the way to the back of the house to go to the restroom or, or to go to bed, and I was always afraid at night. So there's only really one thing to do when you're a kid walking through the back of a house at night, and that is to basically run. You just run, and as you, as you run past dark rooms, you have to jump, like you jump past those rooms because you just know that whatever's in there is going to reach out, you know, and grab you, grab you by, by the heel. I was terrified of, of the dark. Why is it that we're afraid of the dark? The reason we're afraid of night, the reason we're afraid of the dark is because of what we can't see, what we don't know. And the reason a lot of us have been afraid over the last five months is because of what we can't see and what we don't know. And what's been so intriguing about this season is that the moment that we think we start to kind of figure some things out, <laughs> that's when the narrative completely changes and we realize, I don't know anything like what I thought I knew. Now I don't know. This is what the darkness is like. And I, have a, I got a confession for you got a confession for you. I still wrestle with fear in the dark. Not fear of what's going to jump out of the closet or climb out from under the bed, but fear of what's going to jump out of my mind. I'm not afraid of the paranormal. It's more like paranoia, right? And I've had many sleepless nights and I've sweated through sheets and, and paced the floors in anxiety, paranoid about the terror in the night that I just couldn't quite make out. So how do we reconcile that scripture? Where the psalmist just kind of glibly tells us, don't be afraid of the terror at night. Well, it's easy for you to say. But here's what I've concluded. And if you like to write things down, this might be something you want to write down. Just because we don't have to fear it doesn't mean we'll never feel it. Just because we don't have to fear it does not mean that we will never feel it. Protection, God's protection, is not the same as exemption. They're two different things. Like if I'm exempt from a test, it means I don't have to take that test, right? It means I might be sitting in the classroom with everybody taking the test, but I don't even have to pick up my pencil because I'm exempt from the test. Amen. I know that there's middle schoolers and high schoolers out there who just love that word exempt. I don't have to take it because I'm exempt. But God's protection is not necessarily God's exemption. And as it relates to your God, he is like an epic tutor in our life who sits with us and teaches us. And, and if I will put in the time, if I will study the flashcards, if you will, it will give me an advantage and I will pass. And in Christ, we, we have protection, not always exemption because the, the Psalm 91 actually said, there's a thousand falling at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. Well, if they're falling at my side, if they're falling at my right hand, then I'm certainly close enough to, to be in the middle of what's happening. There's tragedy happening around me. I mean, Jesus said, in this life, there will be trouble. 
But, but, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And we are living in a world that is, that is full of trouble, but we are serving the God that has overcome the world. And as long as we will seek Jesus, as we will follow him, as long as we will declare his promises over our lives, over our children, over our careers, over our churches. He will be our present help in time of need. As long as we will declare the promise that, that David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. As long as we will declare these things over our life, I will be protected. I will be protected from the terror in the night, even if I am not completely exempt. Protection and exemption, they're two different things, two different things. Now, I want to give you quickly here four ways to deal with the terror that we wrestle with in the night. Four ways, Christian Life Austin, for you to deal with the terror that absolutely comes to us in the night. And the first one is this. You can write this down. You need to interpret your thoughts correctly. When you have terrifying thoughts, whenever you have fear-filled thoughts, regardless of how they wind up in your head, when you have those thoughts, you need to interpret them correctly. First of all, you need to know that you are not your thoughts. Just because you have a thought, that does not mean that is who you are. You've got the choice to either be defined by your thoughts or to dismiss those thoughts. You choose. You get to choose. Where, where do terrifying thoughts come from? Well, they come from all sorts of things. I could, I could go through a list here, but really you just need to know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness. There is a spiritual war going on. And all year, man, from about that, you know, that, that first, second week of March up until right now, there is a spiritual warfare absolutely happening for the heart and the mind of every individual in the world, including believers. There is spiritual warfare taking place. You do have an enemy. He hates you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's purpose for you. God has abundant life that he wants to lead you into an abundant, fulfilling life. And the enemy's goal is to rob you from that life. He does not want you to step into the purpose that God has for your life. And he has access to your mind. The enemy does. So in order to try to stop you from your purpose or cause you to hit pause or be paralyzed, he'll dispatch fearful thoughts, fear through through whether it's through a 24-hour news media that we open ourselves up to or, or you know, notifications on that glorious little mobile device that you have. You wake up in the middle of the night you know, to, to go potty and you come back to get in the bed and there's a notification. Oh God, I wonder what terrible has happened now from whatever news source it is that you follow. There's always going to be some bad news clickbait just waiting on you to click on it. Whether it's from social media or whatever it might be, we all deal with fearful thoughts. And you need to understand when, when fear grips you, remind yourself, 
I'm, I'm, this is not who I am. All that's going on right now is just spiritual warfare. This is not who I am. Just because I have this thought, I'm going to dismiss it. I'm not going to be defined by that. So secondly, you need to remember that you're not the only one dealing with terrifying thoughts. Did you know that even Jesus wrestled with, with fear? He was tempted by terror, if you will. Mark chapter 14, verse 33. The scripture says, he took Peter, James, and John with him. And watch this. And he, Jesus, God in flesh, became deeply troubled and distressed. Deeply troubled and distressed. Negative thoughts, terrifying, being tempted by terrifying thoughts could have, could have hijacked the purpose of Jesus, but he did not let it hijack his purpose. He went on to the cross and surrendered his life for you and for me so that we could have the freedom that we enjoy today. The first thing that you need to do when you're dealing with terrifying thoughts is to interpret those thoughts correctly. The second thing is this. <clears throat> I love this. Defend your borders proactively. Defend the borders of your mind proactively. Like you need to set up a customs desk or, or a border patrol, however you want to look at it, and not allow fear in. Do what it takes to prevent it, preventive maintenance. Prevention is always better than cure. We... we we have this, a lot of times, this whack-a-mole mentality as it relates to fear and negative thoughts, don't we? We wait till they come, and as they come, you know, we, we, we kind of pound it out. And then another one pops up over here, and we pound that one out. And we stand there just waiting for fear to pop up. And when, but what if, what if we looked at it differently? What if instead of waiting for them to pop up, what if we just went ahead and, and checked the borders of our life, the borders of our mind, the borders of our heart in advance to see if there are any gaps in the fence where, where negative thoughts could potentially crawl through or creep into our heart and our mind? What if we checked in advance? What if we, what if we looked at what we were watching what we were scrolling through, what we were listening to or who we were listening to, to just see if maybe there are some gaps in the fence that I'm actually allowing fear easy access into, into my world. Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 21 says this, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. But preserve sound judgment and discretion. Look at that word. Preserve sound judgment. In other words, I'm going to take preventive action. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, 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 to let fear into my mind if at all possible. I want to do what I can to defend my borders proactively. Verse 22, they will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Verse 23, then. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. How many of you, that sounds pretty good to about right now. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. If you preserve your sound judgment, you can go on your, your way in safety. Lie down and not be afraid. Lie down and your sleep will be Sweet. 
So we want to do everything that we can to cause our heart, listen to me, to be a place that is inhospitable to fear, like inhospitable to terror. This is why we pray first. One of the things in, in San Antonio that I, we preach about all the time is this idea of praying first. Like I want to start my day with prayer instead of getting up and, and, and picking up my phone and starting to scroll and see what the bad news for today is. I want to pray first. I want to open God's word and see what God has to say. I want, to, I want to read the promises that he has for my life. I want to declare those promises over my life first. I've been trying to get up early in the mornings. And the first thing I do when I get up is I've tried to start drinking you know, a big glass of water or a big bottle of water. Because, I mean, it's common sense. But I've been told by a lot of people recently that it's really healthy. For you just to start your day with a big glass or a big bottle of water. So I've been trying to get up, and the first thing I do before I drink the coffee, before I eat the toast or make the eggs or whatever, before I do that, I, I want to drink, drink, drink the water because it just kind of gets everything awake and moving and, and just kind of seeps everywhere that it needs to seep. And the places that are dehydrated, you know, it hydrates. Man, the same is so true. For waking up in the morning and before I dive off into the doom and the gloom <laughs> that the media in our world just loves to focus on. Why don't I read God's word and just let his word seep into my spirit, into my soul. All the dehydrated places, let God's spirit just hydrate them. How much better would my life be? I want my soul, I want my mind to be a place that is inhospitable. To terror, So I want to defend my borders proactively. I do that by attending church, by staying connected to church, whether it's online or in person. I stay connected to God's house. I stay connected to a serve team and, and a small group. I stay busy. It's hard for terror to attach itself to a moving target. It's why we worship. I want to defend my borders proactively by... By worshiping, I want to soak my heart in praise. I want to steep my mind in God's word until my life is literally just slippery with God's love and God's grace and God's word. And then when fear tries to get a foothold in my life, it cannot get any traction. Terror glances right off of me instead of sticking to me. There's so much Bible in that heart. There's so much praise in that spirit. There's so much positivity. Terror cannot get any traction, any traction. I like to look at it this way. Um, <clears throat> if you've ever watched any hand-to-hand -hand combat, whether it's you know, wrestling or like real wrestling, you know, real wrestling, like college wrestling, all right? Uh, if you've ever watched wrestling or, or, you know, Olympics wrestling, if you ever watched wrestling or, or maybe the UFC fighters, um, it's interesting how they dress, Okay. They're very intentional about what they wear or actually what they don't wear. Like they, 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 they wear more like spandex type clothing that is very, very small, very tight. They do not want to wear clothing, listen to me, that their opponent can latch on to easily. 
They don't want to wear things that, that's loose and drapey, like you know, urban outfitters type clothing. They want to wear something that their opponent has trouble latching on to. Sometimes I think that maybe we should be more careful with how we dress our souls because we are in a wrestling match, as I said earlier. Sometimes I think we should be more careful with how we dress our heart instead of wearing big baggy jackets of jealousy or, or, or pants of pride or you know, baggy shirts of, of cynicism and, and criticism. I don't, I don't want to dress my soul. How about this? I don't want to dress my soul for bed by right before I go to sleep. Scrolling through you know, Twitter or, or Facebook or Instagram or, or flipping through the channels and seeing what CNN's talking about now or Fox is talking about now or MSNBC. I don't want to do the doom scrolling thing right before I go to bed at night because when I do that, listen to me, I give the enemy something to latch on to. I make it very easy for him to bring fear and terror into my life and into my mind during the night. And, and, and when I give the enemy a, a handhold, it can quickly become a stronghold in my life. So instead of, instead of dressing myself, dressing my soul for bed with with, 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 with the news and, and the fear and the anxiety, or instead of the first thing in the morning, I get up and I dig into you know, the doom and the gloom. I want to prepare myself. I want to wear, if you will, if you will, spiritual spandex. Now, you just take that and run with it a little bit, however you want to, but I want to wear spiritual spandex that the enemy cannot get a grip on me in, spandex of prayer and of fasting and of God's word and of worship. I want, to, I, want to, I want to make sure that I'm defending the borders of my mind proactively, proactively. And then number three, number three, as it relates to fighting terror in the night, write this down. I want to take evasive action immediately. I want to take evasive action immediately. There's something that I've learned and I've actually... I learned it through the years, and I've now preached about it for some time. But we receive the power of God's promise in our life by participating. We receive the power of God's promise. We receive the possibility, all the possibilities that God has for us. I access them by participating in them. Like God has promised me a lot of things, but I still have to participate. Back when sports was still on TV and people were still going to ball games and good Lord willing, we'll be there you know, quicker than we know. I'm believing that by faith in Jesus' name. But back whenever we were still playing ball, I, I've been to watch the Spurs many times in San Antonio. And um, one of the things that they like to do is play games during the timeouts, like during the commercial breaks or in between the quarters. And one of the games that they've been playing for years at in the Spurs arena, is, is they bring people out on, on the floor and they have them throw these big, huge foam french fries into this big, huge, like, trash barrel. And the person who can throw the most foam french fries into the trash barrel in the allotted time, they win free Whataburger for a year. Free Whataburger for a year. Now, to me, 
And I love Whataburger. I'm not knocking Whataburger. You know, it's Texas stuff. But that, that doesn't really appeal to me. And the first time I was there with my boys and they heard f- free Whataburger for a year, it was like, oh, what? And, but, but to me, it's a little bit different. But, but you know, after... After the, you know, after the timeout is over and the person has thrown the, you know, in the competition has thrown the most French fries into the barrel, they give them a card, literally. You get free Whataburger for a year. But there, it's one thing to have a card in your hand, listen to me, and a belly in your stomach. So in order to get that burger every day or however it works, you've actually got to go get in your car. You got the card. You got the promise for the burger, but you still have to go get in your car. You have to crank it up. You have to drive to Whataburger and sit in the drive-through line in order to get that burger. You have to participate in order to get the promise. Whataburger does not bring a truck and back it up to your garage. Beep, beep, beep. And unload, you know, a year's worth of burgers in your garage. You don't want that. I can tell you that. But if you want that honey barbecue chicken sandwich, you're going to have to get in your car and participate in order to get the promise. And listen to me, God's promises are exactly the same. It's not like he's going to be dumping limitless, you know, buckets of limitless peace out on you. He's not going to back a truck of peace up to your garage and dump it out and say, you don't have to do anything. You just, you know, you be you and you'll have all the peace that you need. We have to participate in order to receive the promises that God has given. Isaiah 26, 43, I'm sorry, 26 and 3. You will keep in perfect peace. That's what we're looking for. All who trust in you. So I got to trust in him in order to have that peace. And then he continues, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Wait a minute, can't you just keep me in peace? I absolutely can, as long as you will trust in me and as long as you will fix your thoughts on me. As long as you participate, as long as you take evasive action, as long as you memorize the promises that I have given you, as long as you declare them over your life. Guys, I have promises that I declare over my life every day when I pray. I'm going to declare them. What am I doing? I'm taking evasive action. I'm I'm, I'm proactively putting borders around my heart, and I'm taking evasive action. I want to be aware of what's going on around me in my world. I want to be prepared, but I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to feed my fear. I want to feed my faith by taking evasive action, by participating. Jesus took evasive action in Gethsemane when he was... When he was so mortified, honestly, at at the step he was about to have to take, he knew what was going to happen with the arrest and the trial and the beatings and the crucifixion. He cried out, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What did he do? He went to God. He went to his father with his pain, with his fear. He took an evasive action by, by going to his father. What else did he do in Gethsemane? You know what he did. He went and woke up his friends, his disciples, and said, can you not... Just watch with me for one hour. Can you just kind of be with me in this moment? Could you just help pray with me right now? He took evasive action. Why is it, man, that when we were kids, we had the sense enough to know when we're afraid, I got to go tell somebody I'm afraid. I mean, when you're six years old, you don't lay in the bed just in terror crying with that monster, you know, reaching out from under the bed. You get up, you run through the house to your mom and dad's bedroom. You got you to gotta tell somebody, why is it that as we grow up and we mature, 
Why is it when terrifying thoughts come our way, we don't take evasive action by going to our Father with it and then telling somebody around you, telling a friend, telling somebody that you trust. Don't live your nightmare alone. Take evasive action. Follow the steps of Jesus. And then fourth and finally, fourth and finally, in order to fight terror at night, we need to retaliate appropriately. I love this. Retaliate appropriately. It's so true, man. So true. When the devil fights against something in your life, it's a big mistake on his part. Listen to me. Because it forces you to the conclusion that whatever that thing is, he is terrified of it. Otherwise, he wouldn't mess with it. When God is drawing you somewhere and the enemy tries to put a roadblock, oh, that tells you all you need to know. The enemy's terrified. He don't want you to go there. Whenever God is calling you into a ministry and, and the enemy starts throwing fear and doubt and question marks, there's no way that I can do that. I don't know enough about the Bible to do that. I mean, I, I can't quote the books of the Bible. I don't know how to spell the books of the Bible. I don't even know how to spell Job. I don't. And you start thinking all of the reasons why you can't, why you shouldn't. That's about the time you need to celebrate because you know if the enemy's fighting it, it's because he's terrified of it. And we feel bad about ourselves when the enemy fights something in our life. A lot of times we feel, we feel you know, dark or, or, or disgusted, but you need to know that the only reason he fights you is because he sees value in you. He knows that you are precious, and so he wants to try to make you feel worthless when he sees you taking ground, he wants to try to slow you down. And so what do we do when this happens? We retaliate. We retaliate appropriately. We retaliate by rising up in faith and doing whatever it is he's trying to get you not to do. Wherever it is he's trying to scare you away from, instead of backing down, double down. And let the terror by night, listen to me, become terror for the night. <laughs> the thing that he's trying to scare you away from, it should cause you to double down even more and push and pursue even harder. Listen to me tonight, CLA. You are called, you are chosen, you are loved, and you are equipped. You are meant to live a life with purpose that your God has called you to. You're, you're meant to encourage those who are weary, to love those who feel unloved, to, to help bring life to those who are broken. You have a specific role to play in reaching the region and the city that God has called you to. And we are not going to let fear, we are not going to let anxiety, we are not going to let terror by night stop us from what God is calling us to, because no weapon formed against me will prosper. And all who rise against me, they will fall. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I know that. I'm trusting in that. I'm leaning on that truth, and I'm leaning on that promise. If you receive this word that I've preached to you on this evening, right where you are, your living room, Wherever you're watching from, if you're in your car, please don't close your eyes. But if you're in an appropriate place to close your eyes, close your eyes. Let me pray over you 
this evening. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word tonight. I want to, I want to thank you for the truth, God, for the promises in your word. I want to embrace your word tonight. And God, for anyone who is dealing with terror in their life right now, wrestling with fear, I pray peace. <laughs> I pray, God, that you would just, right where they are, breathe peace into their heart, breathe peace into their life, Lord Jesus. We want to do what we need to do in order to protect the borders of our life and our mind. And there are some who need to make some changes in what they're, what they're watching and what they're listening to, specifically before they go to bed or first thing in the morning. Give us the boldness to take that step in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I don't want to give the enemy a foothold into my life because I know those footholds can become strongholds. And I don't want to do that, Lord Jesus. But I want my heart and my life to be slippery with worship and and slippery with your word and with, and with praise. So God, I pray encouragement and strength in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. As I continue to pray here, listen, if you're watching tonight and you are not in a relationship with Jesus, and that is the first step that you need to take. Like that's the step. Some of you might have been afraid to take that step. Like the enemy's telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't surrender your life to Jesus. You're not good enough. You've made too many mistakes. I mean, you've look at what you did last week. Look at what you did last night. You know what you did in 1997. Oh, he brings it all up, doesn't he? The reason he's telling you that right now is because he's afraid. The last thing he wants is for you to surrender your life to Jesus. But listen to me, it's the greatest decision that you can make. It's the greatest decision the greatest thing that you can do is to open your heart and let Jesus in. I believe he's knocking on some hearts right now. Like he's just wanting you to open up. You don't need to think that you need to get everything figured out and straightened up and then you're going to let him in. That's not how it works. You allow him in and Jesus helps bring healing. He helps pick up broken pieces and put them back together and make it into something beautiful. He helps bring change to your heart and, and, and a renewed passion and a renewed purpose into your life. So if you know that you need Jesus, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes right now and I'm, I want you to pray this prayer along with me. Whether you've never surrendered your life to him or you are rededicating your life to him, this moment is for you. Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to you. We invite you, God, into our heart, into our minds. Jesus, I need you to save me. I know that I cannot save myself. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins, Lord. I repent. Forgive me of my mistakes. Make me clean like only you can. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you gave your life for me, God, and that you rose from the grave. And on this amazing evening, I'm starting over and I am following you. I'm making you the Lord and the Savior of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, CLA. It's been wonderful to hang out with you this evening. I'll see you soon. God bless. <laughs>